This is Out of Fashion, a podcast with Martin Kamer, hosted by Remo Hecklen. Welcome to another episode of the podcast Out of Fashion. This podcast deals with historical clothes in connection with the collecting activities of Martin Kamer from Switzerland. In the early 1980s, Martin Kamer turned his passion for fashion and fashion history into a profession. He began collecting and dealing with historical fashion. Martin, do you also collect clothes that were worn by famous people? Not really. My main focus is the clothing itself. If you have a combination of clothes and a famous person, wearer, the interest shifts from the clothes itself to the wearer. And that doesn't interest me. That's not what I'm into. But there must be people that are interested just in, in, in dresses that were worn by famous people, right? Yes, but I'm not one of them. <laughs> I, uh, I've had some dresses, but um, there are collectors that are collecting Princess Diana's dresses and etc. But that's not, what my, it's not my focus. But can you name an example out of your collection? Yes, I once owned a court dress and train that had been worn by the Empress Josephine, Napoleon I's wife. Tell us about that particular dress. Well, it um, came up at auction. It said that it was a dress that had been worn by Empress Josephine, or belonged to Empress Josephine, and that um, it had been made by her dressmaker, Loire. And when Napoleon got the bill, he refused to pay. So the story goes. So it then ended up in the art market in um, Paris in the early 19th century. And an English family who visited uh, Paris bought it and brought it back to London. And that was a legend in the catalogue. And quite often these um, legends, the family histories, they don't really tally up with the artefact. You know, you know it's, oh no, that can't be because... It's 10 years out or it's 20 years out. There's quite a big wardrobe out there that are supposed to belong to Marie Antoinette, but most of these items are she was dead by at least 10 years, if not longer. Anyway. So, so what they try to, to sell, it's a selling point. It's a selling point and it's a sort of fantasy, you know. Sometimes, sometimes it's, it's, it convinces people, right? It's also sometimes it's just a family history, oral history, and things get distorted. And maybe one item was really that, but then it got put in the attic and then brought out and then some other person said, oh, that's that, and it's not, so it's really complicated. So I, it was quite a um, high estimate and I just ignored it. I didn't even look at the, at, at the box where it was presented mm. in. And then it, obviously it didn't sell at the, at the auction. And Do you know why? No. Because it was uh, no too interest, high estimated. Uh, well, it, it was a very high estimate and... The dress needs a lot, need needed needs a lot of restoration. So it was in a bad condition. It's in a fairly bad condition. Every, all the pieces were there, but it's you know, it's a puzzle. Anyway, a couple of months later, I think it was the same year, this same lot came up at a subsequent auction, and I was had some friends visiting from Australia, and they wanted to know how uh, an auction functioned, so. We went to the auction to have a preview and there was this dress that supposedly was owned by Josephine. Hello again. Hello again, yes, it was there. And so I just wanted to show this person how you look. So I opened the box and when I opened the box, I realized there was something very interesting there. 
uh, the embroidery on the train had arabesques and big flowers. And the big flower is a flower known as Corona Imperialis, means emperor's crown. So I knew, yes, this dress really has a connection to Josephine and the imperial court in France because nobody else would be able to wear like the Napoleonic bead or, or a, it's a symbol of the emperor. So you can't... Nobody else would nobody be else allowed would, exactly, to wear that. Nobody would right. be allowed to wear that. And um, so I bought it. The, the estimate had come down quite a lot. And I thought, well, Josephine was such a fashion icon. And it was always... Oh, was she? Oh, yes, she was. So it was interesting to have a piece had belonged to such a fashion icon. And here the, the, the dress and the wearer are both very interesting. I tried to sell this dress uh, several times and um, I offered Where, it... Where, to, to, to museums or I offered to private it first, collectors? Uh, to museums. I offered it first to the Metropolitan Museum in New York and the um, curator wanted to buy it. And then the conservator refused... Said she said she, she, wouldn't, she wouldn't restore it because it's a huge project. It's really difficult and it Well, she realized how much work Oh, yes. It and takes it, it, it would, it, it probably two three, years, two, three years work on it. First of all, because uh, the original dress was embroidered onto net and the embroidery is white strips of silver and gold and the silver and gold strips have destroyed the net. Mm. So it's falling apart. And it's so, heavy. It's very heavy, yes. And the dress is silver and has a fringe and arabesque of gold at the bottom. The dress had been sort of semi-conserved. Somebody had stitched it onto a very heavy underdress. But this has to be all lifted off. And there's a lot of big little details and things that's fallen off. So it's a real puzzle. Maybe thanks to that undergarment which was applied, uh, the dress still is in a more or less good condition. Uh, a record, yeah, it's, it is in, it is, yes, it is. It's it preserved, is in the, the dress, in yeah, a way. The, the lower part of the dress, the petticoat. Or the the um, bodice is in total pieces, but it, it can be restored. I showed it to um, the curator Kevin Jones, at the Fashion Institute of Design and Merchandising in L.A., and he got very excited. And so he asked me whether he was allowed to buy it. And I said, well, of course you're allowed to buy it. And um, they were they're planning an exhibition in about 2027, and they're, they're eager to do the restoration, and they're planning to actually found a restoration department at the institute. That must cost a lot of money. Yes, and but he was a very clever boy and he, um, very clever man, I should say, and he um, is a good fundraiser. He's, he's got a lot of charm, so he's able to loosen the string, the purse strings of a lot of people. There is, in Fontainebleau, several um, of... Uh, Josephine's dresses, court dresses. So he's going to go there and measure it up and with, with the restorer and do everything that's necessary to, to bring this back to his former glory. So they have references. Yes, yes. There's a lot of paintings which right. they have. They've done a small exhibition already, which was very good, to present it to the public and to fundraise. But this dress, did you send it to 
the film to, to L.A., or did you bring the dress to Kevin Jones? No, Kevin Jones came to Switzerland, to my home, where the dress was, and um, he then packed it up and took it on the plane, hand luggage, oh. with him to uh, L.A. He must have been nervous well, during that flight. <laughs> probably, yeah. Such a precious... A, a, big, a big responsibility. Right. It was insured, but even, even then... You don't want to lose it. Around 2027, this exhibition shall take place. Yeah. Will I, you be there? God willing, yes. <laughs> of course I will go. Can't wait to see what they've done with it. And I mean, they're very clever. And he has a, another co-curator, Christina Johnson, who is also very good. And they're very two young people, very enthusiastic and very knowledgeable. And they really work very hard and it's it's a pleasure to work with them. So but when you say that um, this dress now is quite like a puzzle, it's many, many pieces. Yes. So what what are the steps during that restoration? Well, first of all, they're doing they'll do a lot of research on existing garments of that period and there are a couple of um, court dresses around. Uh, one is in Kyoto, I think the Met has one, and as I said, France, in Fontainebleau, the museum there has several. So you measure up, you go. Then, of course, what is important, you have to lift off that silver dress off the undergarment it's been stitched to. That's going to take a long time, very carefully, so things don't disintegrate even more. And then they'll have to figure out a way of how to what kind of back support they're going to choose. So you have to choose probably a silk organza or something like that, or, or, or a strong net. Who knows? They, they, that's one of the things they have to figure out. And then they have to figure out how to conserve the train. The train, is, the embroidery is all there. At the moment, a lot was glued onto a net, so that has to be resolved, probably taken off and put put onto new backing. And of course, it's they're, they're going to be the only country outside France that has a actual dress that had belonged to um, Empress Josephine. What a chance. Yeah. So thank you very much, Martin, and dear listeners, thank you all for your interest. Thank you for listening. This was out of fashion.